Podcasting from Nashville Guitar Store in the heart of Music City, USA. Bringing you inspiration, education, and behind-the-scenes stories from prominent guitarists and others influential in the music profession. Sharing tales of their history, discussing guitars, their gear, their work, what's on tap for the future, and delivering wisdom we'll all appreciate. Your host is Marcia Ware Wilder, nationally recognized radio personality, singer, actor, and author. Well, the guest, I love it when my friends come in. One of the beautiful things about what I do for a living is a lot of these interview guests, a lot of these podcast guests are friends of mine, and I am blessed to count this gentleman amongst not only my colleagues, but my friends. And I'm going to use, kind of borrow from... um, fellow bass player and future podcast guest, Dave Fowler. This is what he said about our guest today, Mr. Randy Smith. He said, uh, Randy's known in circles as one of the finest singing bass players available. He's had gigs with Leanne Womack, Larry Carlton, Pam Tillis, Christchurch Choir, the Katinas, Trisha Yearwood, and the late, great Daryl Singletary. We just lost him last week, just to name a few. And you are currently on the road with my girl, Lori Morgan. Absolutely. Hey, come on now. And that's where we met. That's where we met. And as far as I'm concerned, it's six degrees of Lori Morgan. That's That's right. That's right. (laughs) But this is what I love about what Randy Randy or um, uh, Dave said about you. Randy is very humble and a great addition to the Nashville bass scene. He's known as a friend to many, and when you see him play live, it's kind of like watching Jordan play basketball. It's natural and effortless. So welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you so much for having me, Marcia. Hey, we're just glad to have you here. I, I, um, It's just so funny because we talk about, you know, when we set up an interview, it's like, send me a bio, I want to know what's, yeah. You... Uh, one of the great gifts this show has is that I'm really nosy. So I just started digging, <laughs> doing some digging on you. Yeah. And uh, um, going back to the beginning is where we always start. Sure. Pensacola? Pensacola, Florida, born and raised uh, 1964. Oh, November. you just, you yeah, just yeah, fessed yeah, up I on, just went all there. There you go, kids. Oh, you know, well, I'm going to own it. Uh, the truth will yeah, set you free, my absolutely. brother. <laughs> yeah, born and raised there. Uh, my dad, um, not at that time, but my dad was a pastor for some 25 years yeah and um um we i was born there and pretty much have lived in every state on literally have lived in every state on the gulf coast from florida to texas at one time or another wow wow so what was the music scene like then uh well i didn't really know what the music scene was except for church you know so it was all uh pentecostal chucking babies from the balcony kind (laughs) of you know sawdust trail thing for me that's that's where i grew up and that's where i got most of my musical education yeah uh however my dad was a huge fan of music and um a lot what a lot of people don't know is back in the late 50s uh my dad had a little band with um one of legendary producer Larry Butler, who yeah. produced uh, Kenny Rogers, among others, mm-hmm. and um, uh, steel guitar legend uh, Doug Jernigan, and his uh, high school and grade school colleague, um, the late James Oglesby. And they used to play local TV shows yeah. around Pensacola back okay. in the 50s and, okay. and late, you know, early 60s. And, of course, my dad um, joined the Marines and went to North Carolina at Paris Island and 
Um, that's where he met my mother. Okay. And while he was in North Carolina, my mom's a Native American uh, from North Carolina, okay. and so that that's kind of how all of that became, you know, something. So, did you <clears throat> do you credit your dad for uh, instilling a love of music? That, well, the love or, of music came from both my parents. Okay. Now, I will tell you, up until probably five or six years ago, I thought all of my musical background came from my father. Okay. Uh, because my mother, although she loved music, was not musically inclined at all. Right. But I found out a few years ago that her father, uh, who passed away before my parents were uh, together, mm-hmm had a gospel quartet and actually did some recordings together. And mm-hmm. there were multiple uh, family members on my mother's side of the family that were musically inclined. Oh, and I wow. never knew that until, like I said, probably five or six years ago. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So so in in essence, I think it, it came from both sides, but primarily from my father's side of the family. Uh, there was a lot of musicians on that side of the family. Mainly, um, no one ever really pursued it as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, you know, we there was a few gospel quartets here and there, and, and of course my dad played. Yeah. And, um, when we were very, very young, mm-hmm. my dad was a traveling evangelist. Oh. So it was the Smith family. There you go. So we, my brother and myself and my mom and dad, we sang and my dad preached revivals. You remember those days, oh, you know, back yes. in those days. So. Yes, 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 yes. So that was kind of my upbringing of music, you know. There you go. Tell me about your first guitar. Can you remember the first time? Um, Actually, my first instrument was drums. Whoa! It, uh, okay, was, see, now, th- yeah. <clears throat> normally I come prepared on that point. Normally yeah. I ask, is guitar your first love? So you yeah. started with drums. No, I actually started started playing drums when I was, you know, roughly four or five years old. I just had this natural rhythm and, and yeah. could do it. Um, and did that for several years. Um, but I felt like I'd kind of hit... A plateau. I couldn't. Didn't feel like I could advance. You know, I was self-taught, okay. and so didn't really have anybody around me that could teach me things. And my dad always had. We had, you know, instruments in the house. He had a an acoustic guitar, and at one time he bought a bass from uh, his cousin who played bass. Mm-hmm. And so there was these musical instruments around, and I started just kind of dinking around on the acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. because my dad played acoustic and then uh learned bass just and bass just felt natural to me it was just part of it uh you know always tell people and you know i'm kind of halfway joking but it's true it's like it's the greatest instrument on the planet because it (laughs) it has that liaison it's the liaison between the rhythm and the melody and one note can change the color it, of yes. of a chord. Mm-hmm. Now, it can change it for the better or for the worse. But no, but I get, but I get, on, yeah, yeah I, but, but I get exactly note. what you're and saying. And I loved that kind of, uh, lack of a better term, supportive power. Yeah. That was pretty cool there, yeah. you know. And, uh, and it was something that I took very quickly to and could be very, very expressive with. How um, old were you when... I think the first time I played bass was probably 
uh, maybe around 12, um, maybe 13, something like that. Do you still have that bass? No, I have a bass that's almost identical to that. I, you know, I was telling you, my dad was a pastor. Right. And uh, we had a break-in in our church, and that bass was one of the things that got stolen among a, a couple Shame. of other... Shame. Yes. I, Shame. You know, I, I, I never understood people that steal anyway, but particularly people that would steal from a church. Always, right. That, I always looked around for lightning to strike or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so how old were you when you realized you could, first, you could do this for a living? Um, how, or rather... But here, here's the better or whether, question. Did I want to do it for a living? Did you want to do it for a living, or when did you realize that the money was between the fourth and the fifth fret? Uh, well, that was later on. I, <laughs> I, I kind of learned that uh, by default. Uh, you know, you you kind of learn from people around you and going, hey, you know, don't play so much. You know, let's just just play pocket and groove and all that stuff. But uh, when I first realized that um, I wanted to be a player, I, you know. Like I said, I grew up in church, and this may not mean something to a lot of people who didn't grow up with, you know, Southern gospel music. But the two people, two groups that I thought if I could make it, if I could ever play with those two groups, I would have made it. And one was the Happy Goodman family, and the second one was the Henson family. And that were to me, they were the upper echelon of gospel music at that time of course that's before i kind of got exposed to contemporary christian music and then you know black gospel and jazz and all of those other genres you know i was pretty you know pensacola is really kind of the home of that southern gospel quartet oh yeah yeah. matter of fact my first paying gig uh, i think i was 14 and I uh, was playing drums for J.G. Whitfield and the Singing News Singers. Well, you go head on with your bad self. <laughs> and, I mean, that's a whole Whit- lot of Jesus yeah, right, right. Right, right there in that. J.G. <laughs> Whitfield was a gospel music promoter who also was the publisher and uh, founder of the Singing News magazine. Okay. You know, that, you know it is kind yeah. of the Southern Gospel Bible. Bible, you yeah. Know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well... Are you a four-string or five-string player? Uh, Both. You kind of go back and Uh, forth? For years and years, it was just four. And for the last probably 22 years, my main bass has been a five. And uh, How many bass, how many guitars do you have in your arsenal? Right now, I think I have, uh, you know, I've never been much of a gear hound. Um, There have been times when I've had, you know, eight or ten. But Mm -hmm. I think right now I've got like four or five. Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit nutsy when it comes to gear. It has to really do what I want it to do, right? Right. And I've never been a kind of flavor of the month kind of guy. Um, you are actually and, answering a whole bunch of questions I got coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, so, this is great. This yeah, is great. I, I just find what works for me, and I stay with it until it doesn't work anymore. So right know? now, what's working for you? Yamaha BBN5A. Excellent. Affectionately known as Big Wood, yeah, it is, has been an extension of my hand for the last twenty-two years. Well, what know? do you look for in a bass? Since you've got such a a small little arsenal well, battalion, whatever, what are you um, looking for? What I look for typically is um, 
will it respond to how I play? You know, I used to go before I switched from four to five string, I would go and see guys play, and I'm like, gosh, that sounds great. And then I would play it, and I went, it just doesn't do it. Yeah. And, and I, that's one of the things I tell a lot of young players is like, hey, man, you got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And very much like um, there are some exceptions to the rule, but a lot of name brand things, mm-hmm. that's all subjective to mm-hmm. me. You mm-hmm. know, um, I have, uh, you know, Epiphones that I would take – over fenders and vice versa and uh, i just find what works for me in a particular setting i I find a feel of an instrument Mm -hmm. how it feels in my hand how it responds to how i play Mm -hmm. and the tone is you know that's a huge part absolutely yeah and you know the older i've gotten and the more diverse my musical styles have become you know not everything works with everything so I have some old school things that, if I'm wanting a more old school vibe, I'll go that that particular bass would be a go a go to. If I want kind of a, a you know a rounded bass that can do a lot of things, mm-hmm. usually my Yamaha is that bass. But uh, again, you find what works for you yeah. and your style, yeah. and and that's what you and then you just start honing your not only your skills but honing your style of playing. Yeah. You know, I had a friend of mine tell me years ago, he said, man, you know, when I, of course, when I moved to town, you know, big dog guys were, you know, guys like Michael Rhodes and, mm-hmm. and um, Glenn Wharf and Mike Brigandello and, and who are wonderful players. Mm-hmm. But there's already one of those guys. Right. And one of my buddies said, man, you got to be Randy Smith. You got to be you. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, so that's what I've tried to do is just be me and be authentic to who I am, learn, and just be a sponge for information and, and skills and stuff. You said you're not a big gear hound, but what is your setup like? Um, typically my well, I would setup... Say, let me put it this way. Yeah. What's your road setup like? My road setup is, uh, t- uh, unless I'm backlining something, I typically don't... Uh, because with Lori, we're all on in-ears. Mm-hmm. Um and she doesn't like a very loud stage, mm-hmm. and there are several p- artists that I've worked with that don't like a loud stage. Mm-hmm. And um, no, she does not. No, Ooh, but you know, yeah. part of that too is if, as a singer, if you're trying to sing over a loud stage volume, that's difficult. It is, you know. And if you're doing it, you know, eighty to a hundred times a year, yeah. it, it 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 becomes a strain on yeah. you. You know, so I understand that part that's, of it. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten to this point now where I know what I sound like. Yeah. If my front of house guy knows what he's doing, he's going to get me. Yeah. Um, typically, I, my road setup is uh, I have a pedal board uh, where I have uh, a Fat Boy Tube DI that I just absolutely love. My buddy Brett Teagarden designed I love Brett. it, and and it's <laughs> it's been one of my best investments. Yeah. Um, and then you know, just I'm I'm pretty old school when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm not big into wireless. Uh, I'm a cable plug-in kind of guy. Yeah. I don't want much in between there. I've got a, a tuner, and then I've got this other uh, kind of tone shaping pedal. But 
you know, I always tell people that 90% of my tone comes from my hands, uh-huh. and that's what I try to do. You that's know, excellent. So, that's you know. excellent. So did you succumb to the siren song of, like, I'm, I'm trying to see, I, I, I'm learning on the job as I go about bass. I'm yeah. less proficient at bass than I am at regular guitar, yeah. but at other kinds of guitar. But the 80s was the era of the fretless bass. Did you... Fall yeah. into that groove? Uh, absolutely, and I have, uh, you know, I have a couple of fretless, fretless basses that I just absolutely love to play. You know, it became very prominent with guys like, you know, Pino Palladino, mm-hmm. uh, who really kind of put it in the pop thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, even in the late mid late seventies, you had guys like Jaco Pastorius, mm-hmm. who in the fusion world. You know, did that in a Jaco huge way. Jaco is the first person that comes to mind when I think yeah. about that style. Yeah, of fretless yeah. to me. Fretless, uh, you know. There's uh, to me, Jaco was to bass what Jimi Hendrix was to yeah, electric guitar. Absolutely. Nobody was playing like Jaco when Jaco came out. Yeah, and uh, very much like guys like James Jamerson, mm-hmm. who created a style of playing. Mm-hmm. I think they were also very tortured souls in that yeah. everybody was trying to copy them, and those guys were the original. Yeah. And I think it broke their hearts because they really didn't get the credit that they deserved. That's, you right. Know? That's uh, right. I think very much the same way with even, you know, back, you talk about the 80s, yeah. with like bands, with hair, what we call hair bands. Right. Now. To me, you know, the cat with that was Eddie Van Halen. And then you had all these kind of cookie cutters that tried to be him, yeah, but they weren't him, right? That's you know? true. You it had was a you soul had yeah, to that Eddie and, and Satriani yeah, and, and, yeah, all, and, and all those guys were yeah. trying, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I'm uh, with you. I'm so with you. the same with bass, you know, it's like there was, there was, uh, you know, it was Jocko and 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 even like in that era, you had guys like Stanley Clark, who made that crossover from upright to mm-hmm. electric mm-hmm. and the fusion thing. Uh, um, you know they were all, they were pioneers. Yeah, um, that's what I miss about you know, and I really think the '80s was kind of the end of that. I mean, you had some of that with the '90s and the grunge in the Seattle scene, but the one thing I miss about that scene, those early eras. Mm-hmm. Is that those cats were innovators, man? Yeah. Like nobody was doing what yeah. they did. They just created it. Yeah. And to me, it's still one of the reasons I go back and listen to that, and it's so fresh. Yeah. You know, I had a, I posted a little thirty-second video yesterday of Steve Perry's O'Sherry, who was was co-written by a couple of really dear friends of mine that I've worked with over the last twenty years, and. I think about that stuff, and I listen to that. That, that record's 35 years old, and yeah. it still sounds amazing today. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. something that's made 10 years ago, you know, we kind of forget about. Yeah. You know, so. Well, you mentioned, actually, my mind went to the upright bass. Mm-hmm. Do you work with upright much? I don't play. I, you know, I'm an electric guy. Okay. Um, I have learned to play upright, um, and I didn't start playing that until probably... You know, I've been playing electric for almost 40 years, yeah. and it was probably maybe five years ago, maybe maybe six years ago that I first played upright. Yeah. Um, I had I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a different bird. Although it, you know, as far as the tuning is the right. same, the scale is dramatically different. You know, mo- uh, most electric basses are 34 inches. Um, uh, uprights are 42, so yeah. the scale is a lot wider. It's a very, very physical instrument. It appears to be. Yeah. And um, and if it's not set up correctly, you know, you could you could really kind of do damage to your body if you're not careful. Okay. I I already have some arthritis in my hands, so it, it makes it a little a little, little more difficult because it you have to really work to get sound yeah. out of yeah it, it's it for somebody with small hands yes. it might prove to be like yeah almost disastrous yeah. <laughs> yeah. but i mean it cats do it yeah. and it, it and i love it. it and there's nothing that sounds like it i have i have an acoustic fretless that is kind of a hybrid between those two oh, wow. things that i enjoy playing but uh it plays like an electric so it's easier for me to play okay um but I love, you know, I love straight-ahead jazz, and yeah. I love that kind of stuff. And even really, really traditional country music mm-hmm. with upright, mm-hmm. it's just, to me, this is gorgeous. Yeah, and, it, there's nothing like the sound of an upright. And there's not, and, and played r- correctly. Played well, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. It's an amazing instrument. Yeah. yeah. You know? uh, so let's talk amps. What? Yeah. Okay, so now we know what you look for in a bass. What do you look for in an amp? Um. Same thing. I'm I'm really not looking for a lot of bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as with anyone, if, if you know anything about audio, um, low end takes a lot of power. Yes. To hear it. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm usually looking for more power than I need, so that it can be clean. Okay. Um, uh, I have been uh, an Eden fan for um, I don't know. 17 years give or take Mm -hmm. and i love eden stuff um i like i also have ampeg stuff that i like Mm -hmm. um the ampeg stuff uh tends to be a little bit have a little bit more of the um what we call the the, a little bit of hair on it a little dirtier yeah 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 yeah. uh which is cool and i like that you know it it kind of gives you a little more grit Mm -hmm. um but it can be hi-fi sounding too. I think a lot of that stuff again becomes subjective to what you're putting it through. If you want to drive it hard, you yeah. can make it be that. Yeah. You know, uh, um, there's so many companies. You know, when I was growing up, you know, it was you pretty much had Ampeg, you had acoustic, and you had you know a few. Like, Custom was one of them. Had the little tuck and roll vinyl stuff, looked like the right, '70s right, stuff. Right, right, right. Um, you had a few of that stuff, but it there were so many, it was limited. Mm-hmm. Now there are just literally hundreds of companies, mm-hmm. and they're all making great gear. Yeah. Um, some of it, to me, is a little on the boutique side. Okay. Um, How so? Just pricey. Too, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, you know, gotcha, it, gotcha. Again, I, I, I'm, you know, this is all subjective for me. Right. You know, I personally don't think that any bass ought to cost four or five thousand dollars. This is true, but they do, and you know, are you you're paying for craftsmanship and all of those kind of things, and that's wonderful, and yeah. they are truly works of art. Yeah, but they don't always do what I want it to do. They could be beautiful, and so, um, I, you know, I'm I I don't tend to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. 
just because you paid a lot of money doesn't make it the best instrument. Yeah. That that's kind of what I say. You know. Are you brand loyal when it comes to your stuff? Uh, well, it's hard to say that you know because it sounds to me like it's I'm like, a Yamaha well, guy. Okay, you know I've been a Yamaha guy for almost 35 years, and so and part of that is because Yamaha sounds the way I like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the sound I hear in my head. Okay. So it, it works for me. Some guys are Fender guys, and some guys are, you know, boutique guys, and some, you know, Rickenbacker and all of mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. That works for them. Yamaha works for me. Right. And it, and it always has. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess if if I had a loyalty, it would probably be to Yamaha. Although mm-hmm. Yamaha, if you're listening, you know, I was I've never say, gotten anything free I was from just going to say, um, somebody hooked my brother up with a Yamaha. That's kind of what I was angling for. I didn't want to say the big E word, yeah. but let's let's just let's just call it what it exactly, is. Let's exactly. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> Yamaha, yeah. if you're listening, hook yeah. my brother up That's with a right. big old endorsement. That's, that's right. <laughs> Three words: endorsement. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, man, uh, is there anything? I know you're. Like I said, we going back to what you were saying before. In terms of not really being a, a gearhead, but um, is there any kind of new technology that that's caught your eye? Is there like because I know that with Lori's band, uh, sitting on the bus, one of the things y'all like to do. If we're not talking about food, we're talking about equipment. We're talking about gear. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, you know, really, there's you know, I read stuff in magazines and different things like that. I. I I never really follow those kind of things, and maybe I should more than I do. Yeah. Um, but you know what makes your sound work. I know what I like. Yeah. And uh, I'm typically not chasing after something else. You know, I've got friends that, you know, every week they're like, man, I just bought this, and I'm just like, man, it's awesome. And then three months later, I went, man, I just bought this, and it's amazing. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I'm never chasing gotcha. something. Gotcha. Um I want my sound to be good. I want it to be clean. I want it, you know. And you want it to be signature. Very you, signature. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I I will say, you know, and I'm not patting myself on the back here, but one of the things that I, I have, have experienced is that most of the sessions that I do, and particularly people that I've not worked with before, they'll say, man, just your sound is, I, I don't have to try to get, it it's just there. Yeah. Well, that's what it should be. That's what it should be. When I come in, I'm sure mm-hmm. that you know, Brignadello and Pino Palladino and and Glenn Wharf and guys like those, what I call household names like yeah. Leland Sklar's and all those guys. Oh yeah. They come in, they do their thing, they bring their thing. You know, yeah. you dig it, that's great. If yeah. you don't dig it, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing that I've I've come to. Uh, you know, I've been on a couple of auditions that I didn't get a gig, and you know something didn't work out. And earlier on in my career, man, I would take that personally. Yeah. And what I've had to realize in the last, you know, almost twenty-four years that I've been in Nashville, is that you know some people gel. Yeah. And just because you didn't gel with that particular group. That's just not the group. It didn't take anything away from what you could do right. or your abilities. Um, you know, continue to be stronger. Now, obviously, if if someone's looking for a soloist, a virtuoso, you know, one of my dear friends is a guy named uh, 
Adam Nitty, who is just an unbelievable player. And Adam's played with everyone from Stephen Curtis Chapman to Kenny Loggins mm-hmm. and different ones. And Adam is his knowledge of that instrument and his soloing stuff is incredible. I'm not an Adam Nitty. Mm-hmm. But Adam's not me either. Right. You know, right. so I have I think everyone has something that they can contribute. Right. I try to hone that and say, this is who I am, man, yeah. and this is what I bring to the table. If you dig it, that's great. If you don't, that's okay, too. That's a good know? word, Randy, because yeah. I think a lot of people try to set out to be the next Jocko or the next Satriani or the yeah. next Eddie or the next, you know. Or Victor if, Wooten if, or Wooten, any of those yeah, guys. Just, or, I mean, know. you're just, I mean, depending on who you're, who yeah. you're you know, you're. Um, I was judging for a... Um, the Immerse Conference that the that the, um, the Gospel Music Association puts on. There was a vocal competition. This was a probably right. It was right when Adele first came out. Okay. This girl got up and sang "Chasing Pavements," and if you closed your eyes, you would have thought it's a, it was Adele. Yeah. And the first thing that came to my mind was something that I learned from a vocalist that I admired, um, Cindy Morgan. Mm, yeah. Um, she said to me, and I said to this girl, it is one thing to be influenced by an artist. Absolutely. It's another thing to lose yourself in that Absolutely. artist and have that artist overtake who you are. And I think it's the same thing with bass players. Absolutely. I think it's the same thing. I mean, with any, I think it's any with musician. any musician. Absolutely. You always want to take that, you want that flavor, sure. but you want to come up with your own recipe. You yeah. want to come up with your own your own. I mean, gig. if you listen to my play, and there's going to be some Verdine White from Earth, Wind & Fire in there. There's going to be some Leland Sklar. There's going to be yeah. even some Billy Sheehan, who is, I'm not a rock bass player, but wow. that guy. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I confess I have lifted licks from Billy Sheehan just because he's an amazing player. Right. But, again, I try to take all of that and kind of put it into this stew that is Randy Smith. Exactly. You know, And, and I think that's good, yeah, a good yeah. word for any musician. Yeah. Singers, players, whatever. Anything. Yeah. You know, be who you are. And that is my cue to hit the pause button on this conversation with Randy Smith. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, more from this amazing bass player, his thoughts on life, his thoughts on gear, his thoughts on, well, pretty much anything I feel like asking him about, and a little game of Take Your Pick to round things out. It's all in the second half of our time with Randy Smith. I'm Marcia Wilder, and you are at NashvilleGuitarStore.com. At NashvilleGuitarStore.com, paying full price for guitars is a thing of the past. Like dial-up internet. You'll find Epiphone, Fender, Gretsch, Ibanez, Taylor, and lots more. What you won't find is the big box store prices. Get yourself a killer guitar at a fraction of the retail price at NashvilleGuitarStore.com. NashvilleGuitarStore.com
That is Jamiroquai's Runaway, but the prominent bass featured in the foreground of that clip is today's guest, Mr. Randy Smith. I am Marcia Wilder, and you are at NashvilleGuitarStore.com. We've been talking to Randy about the challenges of individuality in today's music market. You know, we're all created in God's image, and we're, there's not one of us on the planet, even mm-hmm. identical twins that have the same fingerprint. Mm-hmm. So we need to be we need to be uniquely us and embrace yeah. that unique. You know, that doesn't really happen in our culture a lot now. We say, well, okay, well, you're going to be this artist, and we're going to make you sound like yeah. that guy, and we're going to make you do that, and all that kind of thing. One of the reasons that I haven't necessarily, I mean, many reasons, but one of the reasons that I never pursued an artist thing that I was comfortable with being a side guy. Yeah. Or a hired gun was I was in I was comfortable with not jumping through those hoops. Yeah, I liked being who I was. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're going to get hired, you got to be a chameleon too. So yeah. sometimes I got to be the straight country guy. Sometimes yeah. I got to be the fusion guy. Sometimes I got to be the rock guy. All of those things, but that's all part of my influence. Too. Okay, now that presents another set of challenges right there. Sure, because when you've got all those different styles that you can kind of drift into Mm -hmm. when it comes down to doing what makes you you do you have a hard time finding your own voice because i know that's a challenge for singers as a vocalist i know i have that challenge yeah i think it's probably more of a challenge for a singer Mm -hmm. than it is for um for well maybe it is and i don't know i know that i try to play whatever music that I'm playing as authentically as possible. Okay. Now, I love fusions of styles. Um, and this is might be a little bit of my soapbox here, is that the problem that I have with fusing styles today is that we tend to throw the original in the trash and say it's not relevant anymore. Right. And that bothers me. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you like, you know, whatever's country today or whatever's pop today, that's all subjective and that's just personal taste. My personal thing is that there were so many people that were trailblazers mm-hmm. and originators and, you know, you know, paved the way for all of those people. Let's not throw them in the trash. Exactly. I mean, it's very much like you know, your grandmother mm-hmm. or your great uncle or something like that, that, you know, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not an immigrant, so I don't know this, but I know people that had their grandparents didn't live here and they came here and started with nothing. And it's like, okay. And then maybe their great grandchild became very, very successful. But you don't forget the people that brought you. It's here. your DNA. Yes, that's your DNA. And if you if you just say, well, that's not important anymore, uh, you know, it's probably one of the things the problems that I have. I'm with, with you. With, no, I'm I'm with you on with that. With kind of even like in the church world now, you know, we thought, well, the hymns, those were all things. I went, man, yeah, yeah that's a whole different argument. Oh, there. that's a whole other yeah. therapy session. Yeah. Is what that is. You know, but again, yeah. it's like we can't. Throw out yeah. that stuff, yeah. you know. Um, I, you know, I, I teach. Is I have a side thing that I teach. I've got a couple of private students, and I'm always taking them back to old school things. Yeah. Because I'm going. They say, "Well, I like this." I went. 
okay, that's really cool, but this is where that came from. Right. And this is really the originator of that kind of stuff. You exactly. Know? And, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. It's like you wouldn't have a Bruno Mars if you hadn't had a James Brown. You know, now come on now. There wouldn't be a Michael Jackson has there not been a Otis Redding, you know, that kind now. of thing. So you have to go back to that That's and go. Right. I understand this is the popular thing and this is the current thing, but let's but let's not forget this. Let's preserve that because that is just as important. You know, mm-hmm. that word will preach uh, right there. That's one of the things I love so much about working with Lori is she has she she gets it. She gets it because all of those old country things that she grew up listening to she still honors that and loves that stuff and not only loves that but loves those people too you know because uh, to me that's the whole thing we're all a community one of the things that attracted me to Lori's music and Pam Tillis's music was their deep-seated love for not just I mean, and Laura, and they're they're both about as country as yeah. cornbread and moonshine. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, they can talk to you about Motown. Absolutely, they will talk to you about Motown. Absolutely, and they will talk to you about James Brown and Michael Jackson and all those wonderful you know, soul elements uh, that fed into my. You know, time. And even yeah. you know, with uh, Pam, you know, Pam saying had a fusion band in, yeah. in, in, in California. Yeah, and so I, I know all of that. So, and and to, to me, that's the thing that I love about both of them. Yes, is that. Whether you dig what they do as a solo artist or not, I love them as people exactly. and as artists because they draw from so many influences, you know. That is so cool. That is So what's your greatest challenge as a player now? I think you might have touched on some things, but um, can you think of... Uh, I think the challenge now is that... And I don't really know that the challenge has changed. Um, you have to constantly be evolving. Mm-hmm. You have to. Okay, okay. The challenge might be this: to stay in the now, but still be who you are, and that's a difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I loved about my late friend Daryl Singletary is that, you know, he was he loved what was happening. But he stayed true to who he was. He really and did. that thing, to me, that is, you know, whether you dig the Rolling Stones or whether you dig Steely Dan or Barry Manilow for that man, those guys are true to who they are. Mm-hmm. And they stayed that way. Yeah. And maybe their popularity kind of came up and right. down and all, right. but they stayed who they are. Yeah. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, all of those, and I can name yeah. them hundreds of them, those people stayed who they were. Because when you go to their show, what do you normally hear, like, 90% of? Well, you're going to hear the hits. Yeah. You know, what, what, what is that one, dance with the one that brought you? Yes, you right. Know? That's right. And so you stay true to who you are. You experiment and you do things like that yeah. and you try to stay in the current wave of what's happening. Well, but not a, losing who you but are. But not losing who you are. That, I hmm. think that's probably the challenge. Now, for me... Uh, it's a young man's game, and I'm going to deny that. It yeah. is. Um, you know, it's funny. There are. It would be really easy to become jaded, uh, but I try not to do that because, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I've been playing longer than a lot of these guys have been alive, yeah. you know. Yeah. And some of them took it up in college just as a hobby, and all of a sudden they're on a big stage someplace. And, you know, uh, I – 
just try to, for me, at this point in my age, you know, I'm, you know, balding father of two, married <laughs> for 32 years. Yeah. I'm not going to get a call from Taylor Swift because I don't fit that mold. Right. Okay. And, I, and, and that's, that's okay. okay. It's absolutely okay because that's okay. You know, I know who I am, mm-hmm. you know, and I know what I do. And the truth be known, I never was that guy. Right. Uh, that just never was my thing. No offense to those guys because they're great and they're wonderful, but that never was who I was. Right. So I just try to be true to who I am. There you and, go. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I've never been, again, not a gearhound, never been one to follow trends. Mm-hmm. You know, I just try to steer the boat straight and just keep going. Right. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. I keep learning every day. One of the things that's been really cool for me as a as in in this new thing of teaching is teaching these fundamentals has brought those things back to me. Yeah. That even though I've been playing for decades, it has refined the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And made me a better player, yeah. even though I'm teaching that. And so that's been really kind of enlightening for me because just imparting mm-hmm. my years of knowledge and making that, giving that to someone else, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. No, you're fine. Um, that's, if you could sum up, now this is a big one. If you could sum up your work philosophy in a word. <coughs> What would it be? The work philosophy. Show up early. <laughs> be prepared. Be a chameleon. And get along with everybody. Um, I am a self-proclaimed champion for peace and love. Mm-hmm. I just am. If you've ever got an email from me, a text message, or whatever, I sign everything peace and love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's who I am. Yeah. There's so much darkness and so much craziness in the world, whether it be political or, you know, otherwise. Yeah. I just try to be that guy that says, hey, if Randy says he's going to be here, he'll be here. Yeah. And he's going to be ready. Yeah. And he's going to be early. Yeah. And if somebody's got a question, maybe it's not their instrument, it's not his instrument, but he'll know what they're supposed to play to. Right. Uh, my wife says, you need to be a producer. You need to do that because you hear it all. I went, well, maybe. I just tried to just be there. Well, the Bible everybody. says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So I think she just gave you a little word in due season. Don't get me started on that now. Yeah, wait, I've been married yeah. a year and all of my, I'm professional wife. That's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Wives yeah. of the world, yeah. you just keep giving that advice to your husband. Yeah, but, get uh, but that's the other thing. My wife also <laughs> said I should have been a counselor. Okay. You know, because you know, everyone kind of comes to me with... With issues, you know. So, that is you know, true. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you are like the dude people like to. You're, it's like, yeah. it's kind of like with when Chris Kent was alive. Yeah, you were the you are that guy in the band yeah. that people feel like I can just open up to you. Yeah. I'll open a vein yeah. and Randy will be cool with yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's the man. You know, I've walked so much stuff, and you know, 
walked through so many dark times in my own life um, that, I, you know, there was there was a time where I was just so dogmatic and was like, this is this and this is wrong and that's right and this <laughs> on and and walking through my own my own things. Um, I have learned that I've just learned to be a listener. Yeah. And just trying to, and I'm, I'm you know, I, like I said, I'm this self-proclaimed champion for peace and love, but yeah. I'm also a student of human behavior. And part of that has been facing my own demons. Gotcha. Learning why I did the things that I did. Mm-hmm. Learning my own behavior and coping mechanisms and all that, you know, addictions and all of those things, you come to see people and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. I see, I see where that's coming from. Yeah. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I said, look, you need a friend, I'll listen. Yeah. I may not have the word for you, and I may you may not even like what I say, but I'll certainly listen to you without judgment and without any kind of prejudice, you know, because sometimes people... I know for me, sometimes just talking about things mm-hmm. doesn't change my situation, doesn't change the circumstances. But it makes you feel but better. But just getting it off yeah. of my chest and knowing that somebody cares enough to listen to me yes. is huge. That's huge for me. And my, I, and, yeah. yeah. My husband and I had that very conversation this yeah. morning. He was just like, man, thanks for just listening. Yes. And because I'm learning that advice is not trying to fix it is not always yeah yeah you know. so yeah well uh on the lighter side of things yes. can you tell us your most embarrassing moment on stage oh so many, so many. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the first one was on that first gig that i was playing when i was like 14 it's in pascagoula mississippi I actually know where that is. I know, I know. And uh, there were several gospel quartets on this particular bill. I'm trying to look as sharp as, and I've got my black pants and my black shirt and my gray blazer and everything. I'm looking good. And I looked down, and I went, wow, my fly is open. So I run to the bathroom and realized that my fly has broken. <gasps> no! <laughs> and I'm going, and I'm in there going, oh no, oh no, this is my debut. <laughs> and, you know, and then, you know, you, you go all the way down, then you pull it back up and it comes together. And then you just kind of hold your breath and don't do it, don't move at all. You know, that was the first one, you know. Yeah, I told my parents about that later and they, they kind of laughed. I thought, this is the end of the world, you know. So, um, Oh man! Oh, uh, so many others. I mean, uh, just you know, playing the wrong note. Uh, when I first joined Leanne Womack's band, my band leader used to tell me, he "said Well, I'll say this about you: if you play a wrong note, you play it like you meant it." You yeah. <laughs> and I did. It's like, man, you know, you I always tell gusto, I, I jump off the cliff, yeah, you know, whatever there, that is, you, you know. Go. So, so what's uh, so you're teaching? You're on the road with Lori. What's next for you? Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just keep doing what I do. I, you know, I write uh, charts and I play when I'm not on the road, I I play at Oasis Church in Licks Village. And that's been a great 
kind of healing community for me. Yeah. Um, I went through some dark times several years back. Danny Chambers and, is the bomb. I, he is. Yeah. Well, and I didn't, I knew of him yeah. prior to that, but Danny's father was one of my dad's best friends. Okay. And I knew Danny, Danny's father for years, Bud Chambers, who <clears throat> consequently was a great gospel songwriter, wrote hit songs for the Goodman family yeah. and all of these different uh, oh, artists. Man. Yeah. And um, but he and my dad were really good friends. My dad, this is back when they lived in Oklahoma. My dad would go to his house and he would, you know, preach at his church, and then he would come to our house mm-hmm. and play and preach at our church. And so for years, I had for really decades, I had this relationship with the Chambers family, and I'd never met Danny. And Jillian, and they have become just just amazing friends to me. That's so uh, cool. Have again, he, you know, they say a lot of times this is an oasis. This is the oasis of healing and, mm-hmm. and that thing. And and it it truly has been that for me. And uh, I've really enjoyed playing there. Um, I've met a lot of you know other players since playing and and their standard of musicianship is pretty high there which i like yeah. you know um um but you know that i'm doing that I, I i like i say i write all the charts for them and mm-hmm. i'm playing there teaching some the teaching thing is uh i i don't think i'd ever want to do that full time right but i enjoy doing the, the students that i have do you have a website uh i do it's uh i think it's I should know this right off the top of my head. Uh, I think it's randysmithbassist.com. I love that about musicians. Usually, like yesterday, um, yesterday we had Jimmy Caps come in. Yeah, Jimmy's Jim, great. Jimmy had Michelle. Yes. <laughs> Michelle was there. To like, Jimmy's like, every time he didn't know the answer, like yeah. something, something yeah. like that, he'd look yeah, at Michelle. Michelle knows. Like, yeah. Michelle's, like, yeah. Michelle's like, look, I got this. I got this. Yeah. But yeah, so. Yeah, um, randysmithbassist.com. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, this is this brings to our, our 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 schedule the conclusion of the interview portion. Okay. And now we're off to my favorite part of the program, what I call our audio Rorschach test. You need no thought whatsoever. I'm going to. It's called take your pick. Okay. I'm going to give you two things. You pick this or that. It is just that simple. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Zeppelin or the Who? Wow. That's hard. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Zeppelin, though. Beatles or Stones? Oh, Beatles. Uh, Bass strings, round or flat? Man, I'm split halfway there because probably round. Okay. Now, understand, both is an an acceptable answer because many, many musicians worth their salt can't make up their mind for beans. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Ah, peanut butter, smooth or chunky? I'm going to go chunky. Live or studio? I'm messing you up. I think I'm going to have to go both because there's beauty in both. All right, all right. Um, Amps, Acoustic 360 or the Ampeg, SVT? Ooh. I can't believe you even said Acoustic 360 because that was my very first amp. Stop it. When I first I had a, a 66 jazz bass and an Acoustic 360 amp. That's cool. Um, 
I'm probably going to go with Ann Pig. All right, all right. Uh, toilet paper, over or under? Over. Toothpaste, from the middle or the bottom of the tube? I've been guilty of both. Uh, I'm going to try to go from the bottom, but if I'm in a hurry, I'm squeezing. <laughs> Can I tell you, you know you're in a good marriage when that's like the the big bone of contention oh, yeah, between you. Oh, yeah, it is. Because I'm like, could someone please instruct my husband from the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, 4 a.m., get up or go to bed? Um, I'm probably, I don't like to get up at 4 a.m., but... I find myself having to go to the bathroom at that time of the day, so <laughs> I'm going to say get up. You are, you are so not alone in that. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. and getting up to go to the bathroom yes. is is it's an part accept- of it. It yes. is an acceptable yeah. answer. So I'm going to say get up. All right, Getty Lee or Cliff Burton? Mm, Getty. Bass riff. Another one bites the dust, or I wish by Stevie Wonder. Wow, that's a tough one. Um. I, being that uh, Stevie played keys on that, I know that uh, I forget his name that played bass on that. He played along with him. I'm going to go with uh, another one by Sedus because that's pure bass. That is pure bass. It is. It is pure bass. Uh, the great. I love that. That it is the biggest hit that Queen ever had, and. John Deacon wrote that. I know. And, I love that. And yeah. then he like when when Queen he just went away. It went when when Freddie when Freddie left us. I was done. He's like I'm done. Yeah. No Freddie. No Queen. Which uh, I, I I respect. I'm mad that at him. Too. Yeah. yeah. I, I am mad at him for that. But one of my favorite. I think one of the most underrated uh, bass players of all time in the history. Brilliant. I mean, you gave me a chill when you said that. He's so brilliant. There yeah. you go. Well, baby. It's been fun. It's been wonderful. It's Thank been painless. So that would see. There you go. It's painless. Yeah, man. Got some fabulous parting gifts for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Marcia, and thank you, NashvilleGuitarStore.com. Dedicated to bringing you inspiration, education, and behind-the-scenes stories from prominent guitarists and others influential in the music profession. To hear more, subscribe to the Nashville Guitar Store podcast in iTunes. Go to NashvilleGuitarStore.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.